Welcome back to Idle Chatter, my friends. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, for clicking in with me, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. And God willing, everything is going well for you and your life and in your operation. We have uh, Kitten Central here again today. They were just sleeping. So I said, oh, good, let me do this show while they're sleeping because they were running around like maniacs prior to that. No, 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 here comes some. Here comes somebody already. That's the, the, the Samuel's coming. So uh, not good. There were only not even a minute into the show when I got I got kitten 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 problems already. And I got a little bit more to tell you about kittens. I'm gonna move. Okay, I I moved away from the mic to take him away from the soundboard. But uh, sadly, we took Allie to the vet again the other day and if and you may not recall because i mean obviously how would you remember this and you may not even listen to that episode but we had we had found ali somebody had dumped her by our cornfield last fall all the end of the summer when we was harvesting sweet corn and um, she was tiny she was actually her head was bigger than her body and then we adopted her. It took two or three days for us to get her. Actually, my wife was able. No, 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 you're not coming up here. My wife was able to. <laughs> to I'm just laughing because there's someone's assistant. They want to have their own show. But my wife was able to catch her. And then Donald was wonderful as far as embracing her was concerned and a wonderful big brother. But anyway, so she was tiny and then she got she got pregnant and had kittens you, you guys know that story so we had actually had taken her to be neutered to be spayed and that's when we found out that she was pregnant so then they said okay fine we can you know have the kittens and you know that story and about eight weeks after the kittens are born and they stop nursing they i mean they're eating and doing everything on their own so they don't need the nurse but they're like you know mommy if mommy comes and lays down they'll definitely get whatever they could get from her so uh we said it was time to bring to bring Allie to the vet and get her checkup and get her get her spayed. Well, we did that the other day. Her vet is Tranquility Veterinary Clinic over in Tranquility, New Jersey, about five miles away. It's a, a beautiful clinic. It's been there for many years. Doctor Christensen is a is a wonderful doctor, and he has a, a few doctors working on them. He owns the owns the facility, and it's right um, there's a about a. 400 acre cornfield behind it so it's very very nice i don't know if you hear the fighting going on but the kitten fighting but anyway so we make an appointment to bring Allie there to do the preliminaries before they spay her well she's in a family way again so when they did the ultrasound they said there's at least three kittens in there and and possibly more but they didn't want to stress her and one of them is very large and rolling around and kicking so poor Allie, she's not even a year old, and she's maybe nine or ten months old. She's a kitten herself by definition, and now she's having a second litter of kittens. And we know that Allie is not fully developed because she only had two nipples, or has two nipples, so we're going to get back into the kitten uh, syringe feeding kitten routine, uh, which obviously none of us wanted to do, or the emotion that is attached to it, but... Like I said to my wife Charlotte, I said, you know, there's a, I should know, the 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 I I should be able to identify the verse in the scriptures, but I cannot identify it by know it, and you know, in the scriptures it says that this is the Lord's will for your life in Christ Jesus. So whatever His will is, we're going to honor it, and we're going to love these kittens and take care of them. But hopefully. Allie is all right, and we feel so, so sorry for Allie because she never had a kittenhood. She had wonderful, wonderful time with Donald, and then Donald went missing, and she had the kittens, and uh, just terrible for her, and she, she's just so sad, and uh, we love her to pieces, and she's a wonderful, wonderful mother, even though she's a baby herself to the kittens she has now, and uh, and she just never, never had a spring, never had a summer, never had... She had a couple of months with Donald that uh, just was so full of zest for life and always purring, and she's never purred again since Donald Donald uh, wandered off. Uh, 
So it's um, so we'll see what's going to happen. But the doctor said that the uh, kitten should be coming. I'm not laughing. Should be coming very soon. So thank God we have the syringes, the miracle nipples. We have these guys are still drinking the formula. So we have the KMR formula. We buy it by the case, and uh, so we're, I guess we're set up to be uh, kitten kitten central again. So we'll see what happens with that. But on a di- on a different note. Uh, for full disclosure, because, yep, let me just, before I even say that to you, I really, really want to sincerely thank all of you that listen. And, uh, and I, I, you know, this, the, the, the podcast idle chatter has been a, has been a blessing to me to have you as an audience. And I mean that sincerely. And even though I will never meet all of you, and uh and most of the time 99.9% of you that listen I've never communicated with so but I consider you all family and I mean that sincerely and uh and the thing is that and I'm you know, also so blessed to have the radio show on Sirius XM Farm Machinery Digest Radio and you know what's what I've seen which is very interesting is that I enjoy both I and I'm I'm very grateful to have both opportunities because I feel and I've said this before and I don't want to go into a big diatribe about it but I feel that this is my mission my one mission in life and that God has prepared me with the different experiences in life with machinery and engines and what have you to to support the people my people the agricultural community the farmers and ranchers and those who grow our food, fuel, and fiber—they're the core of they're they're they the salt of the earth people. So, but you know, what's different about the radio show and the podcast is I have a different relationship. And some of you, and I'm grateful for, and I always say this: some of you listen to the radio show, and you can always listen to the radio show as a podcast. You don't need to have Sirius XM. And uh, and you know, keep in mind that they're not there's not overlap. I'm not doing the same show twice. So you can always go to my website or podcast hosting sites and listen to the uh, Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And, uh, and, and I, I ask you to do that as an aside. And you'd probably have collectively in the course of a week just under two hours of spending time with me. And of course, Idle Chatter runs six, well, it's usually 70 minutes, right? But the radio show is is. 1440 seconds so with the commercials it's 30 minutes and that has to fit right into that radio time slot template so you figure if idle chatter is in 70 minutes and then an hour and 10 minutes and you listen to the radio show and what's nice about it is a podcast you can listen to them whatever you want so you can listen to a two o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon as you well aware there's no time frame that you have to listen to it so um but both are educational, and that's what this show is what I'm all about. And my mission statement is to educate people. So um, and it's not an entertainment show, even though sometimes it may come across that way. But anyway, but the so what I'm working at is that I seem to have a different type of relationship with the podcast audience than the radio show audience. And they're both a wonderful relationship. But the podcast audience, it seems to be a more of a personal relationship than the radio show. And I do have that with the radio show also. But by, there's a greater percentage of, of relationships established through the podcast than, than with the radio show. And what's nice about the uh, radio show, though, is that people could randomly find you because they could be twisting the dial metaphorically. There's no more dial anymore, right? Scanning the channels. Well, what is this guy talking with this New Jersey accent? Whereas in the podcast, you almost have to go look looking for it you have to look for a show on agricultural machinery or look for a show on engines so you you have to look for whereas with the radio show you you know you pick up audience and you get exposed to people that you would not normally get exposed to but what i'm getting at is for full disclosure is that today's idle chatter and the next few weeks i am recording way ahead of time and usually i only record them a couple of days before they post or they they i think the term they use is drop on wednesday but my um art director and person who does all the posting of the podcast sue moore down in georgia more good ink uh, she's going away on vacation which is wonderful with her husband they're going to see his family in europe 
So I needed to get these shows to pull these shows ahead so she could have them posted. The way it works is that she could post it, she could post it um, ahead of time and say, okay, we want this show to drop this date. And I have no idea how to do that whatsoever. So I just send her a file and she does whatever she has to do to get it posted. So, because, so I'm telling you that for the simple reason being is that if you were to contact me and give me a pin in my map, which I would be so grateful for and, and get into the Hot Rod Farmer license plate contest, all right, then, and so you reach out to me is that your name will not be mentioned your your name may not be mentioned for a few weeks on idle chatter as far as the radio show is concerned farm machinery digest radio that i send right to Sirius, so that is done right on time and on schedule so you may be mentioned you'll be mentioned on the radio show but you won't be mentioned on the podcast and for a few weeks until we until i catch up because i'm going to do a couple of episodes ahead of time so sue could have it so if that makes sense to you so today because of that i am not going to give anybody a pin in my map and i'm not going to announce any license plate winners until sue comes back and we get back on track which is only going to be a couple of episodes so it's not the end of the world but i did i am pulling these forward so hopefully that makes sense to you and it's full disclosure but i'm always so concerned that if someone reaches out to me that i don't that i i I want to make sure that I acknowledge them, or if they ask me a question, I want to make sure I acknowledge them. And I know, and you know, I understand the disappointment. Oh, I reach out to that guy, he never got back to me. And and, and I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody because I would feel the same way. And I mean, you're adults. Everybody's adults. I have a very mature audience, mature as far as their their thought process is concerned, not necessarily mature as far as the calendar is concerned. They're not collecting social security. I mean, some, some of them are, but whatever. But you know what I mean. Uh, and you know, they understand. And just like when I reach out to somebody and you say, "Okay, finally, a person never got back to me. They're busy. They this, they that." You give them the benefit of the doubt, or they get a lot of correspondences. But that is such a pet peeve of mine. If someone takes the time to reach out to me or to ask me a question or to to give me to bless me with a pin in my map, that I I I feel such a such a, a desire such an obligation is probably a better word to just quickly 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 respond to them and acknowledge that, and you know that's the old school way. And you know today with this uh, email and with everything, years ago you wrote someone a letter, a physical letter, and they would respond to you one way or the other, and you got a quicker response than you did with email. And half the time, the people don't even respond to you. I mean, so it's crazy world. But even though it's 2022, in my head it's still 1954, even though I wasn't born or living in 1954. I don't want to say 64 because you already started out the hippies but um so it's 1954 up in my head and just and that's the way i am going to be and i know that's the way a lot of you are so i want to thank you for understanding that and like i said if you don't hear your name on the podcast don't don't worry i'll record it i mean record i'll write it down in my notebook i'll give you a pin in my map and you will and i'll catch up and i'll i'll catch up as soon as sue comes back and we get back on track in sync with the shows all right so that is that so now that i said all of that you know reach out to me hot rod farmer at farm machinery digest or go to the website and just fill out that form and you will be entered into the contest and i will give you a pin in my map so that is that all right what are we going to talk about today well <clears throat> what i'd like to talk about so uh, or what i and i hope that you embrace it right is that i'm going and i kind of touched on this maybe like in the past not maybe like in the past that's a great sentence structure right hot rod i know i've touched on it in part in the past is probably the best way for me to say it but i really want to emphasize heats heat heat thermal heat heats impact on wiring and other electrical components and I feel that that is very, very, very important for you to understand and to acknowledge. And uh, specifically with the amount of electronics that we have on today's farm equipment, vehicles, trucks, tractors, I mean, even lawn tractors, right? So the thing is that you have to understand that. And it's something that um, 
often leads a lot of people astray. And but I'm so I'm going to start with a story that you guys may have heard before, but I think it's a it's probably a textbook example of heat and wiring and how heat affects wiring and affects different aspects of electrical electrical transfer through a wire and then we'll also break into other components like solenoids and resistors and what have you well for many years and you know everything in my life is a story so for many years i taught well 13 years i taught uh for as a as a contract at a contract with axel digital fuel injection to teach their emic program which was engine management installation center and i wrote their training manuals and I used to teach a class, sometimes two classes a month. And uh, they were either they were either in Ohio, two locations in Ohio, either in Cleveland at the Mister Gasket facility, and at the time, or it, they were in Lima, Ohio, at Northwestern University. And then I taught out in Carson City, Nevada, at Sig Urson camshafts. And they were out in Carson City, and I taught uh, one time down at Year One in Georgia. It was the Year One they make restoration, sell they don't make anything, they sell restoration parts. And at their facility, we had a class down there. But so, but but other than that, it was either someplace in Ohio, two two different locations in Ohio, or Carson City, Nevada. And uh, I taught a cl- I to make a long story short, what had happened is that I was teaching, I taught a class out in Carson City, and I said to them, I want to make it like a vacation with my wife, and I want to go out there, and, uh, and so instead of flying, I'll drive and what have you. And because the class was a two-day class, and it was at a, at Carson City. At that particular, for some reason, that class we held at a hotel, even though we didn't hold it at, at Urson Cams for some reason, I don't remember why, which was only a couple miles away. And... Uh, then we went out there and charlotte and i drove out there in my escort this was a number of years ago and we and then we did you know we did sightseeing on the way out and sightseeing on the way back but but then the following year i decided we we well, i should say i we both decided to go back out again it wasn't teaching a class but to go back out again and uh and then head north instead of south from carson city and go up by crater lake and what have you so at that particular point, my escort, my little Ford escort had, I think it was, it was just, it was about 300,000 miles. I mean, either just over 300,000 or just shy of 300,000 miles. And we were up in Oregon on the two lane road going up by Crater Lake. I always wanted to take my wife to Crater Lake. I was to Crater Lake twice in my life and it's absolutely gorgeous. I was back years ago as a, as a young man with my family, my mother and father, and I was 68 Dodge Dart. It wasn't in 68. We didn't have new cars, so it was old already. But anyway, and then two years later, I went with my buddy Glenn Nadell and his Buick, 71 Buick. And then uh, always wanted to take Charlotte there. As if you guys know me, I have a wanderlust. I love to travel. I, like, I wanted to be like a Charles Carrollt. I love to travel the back roads of America and stay off the interstates and see different things and see God's creation. And uh, uh, so I was, uh, before I met Charlotte, I had made a mental list, not a physical list, a mental list of all the different places that I had experienced prior to, and had seen prior to meeting her. And then I, once I met her and fell in love and we got married, I wanted to show her those same things and share it with her. And Crater Lake was one of them. So we were going to go up to Crater Lake in oregon but sadly uh we could not get there because there was a forest fire and all the roads were closed and uh, they were closed for days and they were going to be closed for days so it was uh we, we we got there but we did not get there right so that seems to be my life story also we got within maybe 20 miles of crater lake and everything was shut down sadly because of the forest fire but anyway running these secondary two-lane roads on on our way to crater lake I uh, ended up, there was a brand new brake shoe from a semi, either a semi truck or a, sem- or a, tr- or a trailer, tractor trailer, 
All right, brand new in the road. It was a it was a newly paved road. They had just opened. They literally just opened the road up because we had stopped for the paving. And I don't know where this. And it was a brand new. And it was a high crown two lane country road with no shoulder and a ditch on both sides. And there was this brake shoe, brand new brake shoe. I could see it clearly. It's amazing how how you know it's surreal how you could see stuff so clearly in slow motion when you're going to hit it. And there was the road was completely empty, but there was a semi coming the other way. So I either had to go in a ditch, I couldn't go in the other lane with a head-on collision with the semi, or tried my best to straddle the brake shoe. And I did my best to straddle the brake shoe, which by God's grace I did. And it got jammed underneath the vehicle, underneath the escort, ended up cutting the floorboard, and that ended up being that car's demise because it's where the rust started and i, I said i had three hundred thousand miles how you know, how much longer is this car gonna last all i know is gonna go for a half a million miles but that's where the rust started but anyway the important part of the story is that it cracked the header pipe with a, the, the catalytic converter pipe coming out of the exhaust manifold that engine had like a little quasi uh header on it and the sort of downpipe and had like like all all modern vehicles that has a, a what they call a close coupled catalytic converter sort of catalytic converters right there by the exhaust manifold underneath the hood and that's obviously a transverse engine front wheel drive transverse engine and the exhaust manifold the, the exhaust ports came out of the front of the cylinder head towards the radiator so it cracked the pipe there but i couldn't see where it was cracked i just know it had a bad exhaust leak so i said all right well it runs fine it just it sounded like uh whatever so we're going to continue on the trip and uh and you know we're going through the sightseeing couldn't go to crater lake what have you and then i uh to make a long story short then we're driving 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 so maybe we put another eight nine hundred thousand miles because we went up into crater lake and we came down we went from nevada and california into california back in you know into oregon crater lake turned around came down to pacific coast highway went to the redwoods and the sequoias and wonderful wonderful beautiful right uh humboldt bay there in california and then all of a sudden i'm climbing a hill so i bet maybe eight nine hundred thousand miles later climbing a hill and whoop whoop the car's bucking whoop whoop all right so i release the throttle a little bit and it stops bucking crowd the throttle that's actually an engineering term crowd the throttle so when you're pressing doesn't mean you're pressing it fast it means that you're you're pushing it like you would move if if you ever moved cattle they'd say you put pressure on the cattle you kind of start to walk towards them maybe with your hands out so you're not charging them you're walking towards them and they call that putting pressure on the cattle to move the cattle to where you want so that's an engineering term crowding the throttle I, I want to share i want you to know that because if you're ever diagnosing something and you're diagnosing a problem is that you want to say well am i crowding the throttle when the problem occurs so on throttle crowd it would buck and then you get to the top of the hill and then it would stop bucking it would run fine and depending upon how long it bucked the check engine light with service engine soon light would come on and start to flash and whenever you see a service engine soon light flashing on a obd2 engine obd2 vehicle which is from 1996 and newer so that's a long time for almost everything that's on the road is that the means whatever the fault is that is occurring has the potential to damage the catalytic converter so if the service engine soon light comes on and stays solid then that basically is not whatever that potential fault is. So let's say it's a vehicle speed sensor. It's not going to have the potential to damage the catalytic converter. But when the light starts to flash, all right, then that situation. So you may have a situation where the service engine soon light comes on, the light starts to flash, and two miles down the road, the light is still on, but it stops flashing, goes on solid, and then you go further down the road another two miles whatever it is and now it starts to flash again because what's happening is the fault that is occurring has the potential to impact the catalytic converter and damage the catalytic converter the whole obd2 system is based upon protecting the catalytic converter that's what it's all about because we want to protect the catalyst so in essence so i'm you know, climbing the hill and it's starting to buck boop, 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 and all of a sudden the service engine soon light is flashing i get to the top of the hill and the uh 
it, it doesn't buck any more than in the service engine soon light stops flashing. And depending upon the situation and the protocols that are in the calibration is that maybe the light will go out or maybe it'll stay on. And that's all coded in the software. So it's really not indicative of much other than what I just told you that the flashing light means that there is a problem that is occurring that is going to that has the potential to impact the catalytic converter. So there's no rule of thumb with this stuff because it's all it's all like you know, like me saying, Well, what how would I know what drawer you keep your screwdrivers in in your toolbox. There's not a, a screwdriver drawer, so you may keep it in a third drawer. I might keep it in a second drawer. This other guy might keep it over there. So, so there are federal mandates as far as the as far as the service engine soon light, and this goes for diesels with TFR also. But there's also some leeway in that. So the government only says, well, if you're having this, no, 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 Samuel, you don't need to come on the soundboard. And if uh, and if you're having this problem. If this is occurring, if this is occurring, if you hear me, come on, buddy. I know I love you, but you got to come over here. Come on down. Go, 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 meowing. Sorry, but anyway. So if this is occurring, then we're concerned with that. So there is a little bit of leeway as far as the calibration and the protocols are concerned. So the car starts to buck and then flattens out and it's all fine. And then, like I said, that, and it's important that we're in that part of the country and then you start to climb another hill, starts to buck. So I'm saying, geez, you know, what's going on here? And then I, now mind you, so the important elements are that the car has 300,000 miles. The important elements have probably put about 1,000 miles on it since I hit the, hit the brake shoe and busted the exhaust pipe, all right, the engine pipe right above the catalytic converter, but you couldn't see it, close-coupled catalytic converter. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the other thing is that uh, the car starts to buck and then the, the light flashes. So I know what's happening here to a certain extent. I know that what's, what's happening, the engine is misfiring. That's why it's bucking. All right, so it's bucking. And you have to recognize also that whether it's a V8 or whether it's a four-cylinder, this obviously is a four-cylinder, is that specifically with a lock-up torque converter and a m many gear multiple gear transmission i mean i was only a four speed transmission with a lockup converter but they have eight nine ten twelve speeds today is that the engine is very very sensitive or the ignition system is loaded uh what i mean by loaded is that when you have uh <clears throat> when you have a low rpm condition and a lot of cra throttle crowding you're putting a lot of cylinder pressure you're loading the cylinder pressure and so it's any weakness in the ignition system is going to become very very apparent and that's why they tend to buck you could have back an old buick or cadillac or whatever it was back in 1968 or 72 or 75 you could pull one of the wires off and climb a hill he'll never buck but because of the gear ratios and the transmission and all of the all of the i mean deep overdrives in other words an overdrive 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 <clears throat> which remember anything less numerically than one to one is considered an overdrive so if you have like a bottom eight speed transmission you may have number six or sixth gear or fifth gear maybe one to one and there's three overdrives beyond that to get to the eight speed so once you do this is that the ignition system really becomes the work and the, the stress on the ignition system becomes amplified and they do this obviously for fuel economy and you know another people say for fuel economy that is 100 percent true but they also do it for emissions because if they could what they call down speed the, the engine in other words instead of it running at 3000 rpm it's running at 1800 rpm then not only in theory you're getting better fuel economy but you're also pumping less air through the engine so you have in theory you're having a decrease in the emissions and what people don't understand with emissions whether it's tier four diesel or whether it's gasoline is that they the the test that is performed it's a weight it's a it's, it's a weight test they actually put a big bag it almost looks like if you ever saw those bags where they put corn silage in so it's not as big as that but <clears throat> they put a bag on the exhaust and they measure 
which is way the amount. And that's why if you look at tier four diesel emission standards, specifically whether it's grams per mile or grams per running hour. So that is why your tier four skid steer loader is going to have a different emission package than your tier four combine or your tier four some uh, pickup truck or your tier four semi right because it's a weighted average so it weighs the exhaust and that's why it's in grams because grams is a mass so anyway so by down speeding what they call down speeding the engine with these multiple overdrives is that it not only gives the potential and it's always the word potential for fuel economy saving but what it basically does is that it also has because you have less pumping action of the pistons, right? You're not doing so many cycles. Instead of 3,000 revolutions per minute, you're doing 1,800. Is that the weighted average, I shouldn't say the weighted average, the weight of the emissions coming out is less, not because it's burning any cleaner, is because you are not having as much piston speed. Revolutions of the crankshaft, I should say, probably more accurate than piston speed. So anyway... So I give it some thought, and I say to myself, I think I know what's happening. I'm going back to my road trip with my wife. I think I know what's happening. I think that the heat from underneath the hood, because the close-coupled catalytic converter, and the reason why, I'll break away for a second here too, the reason why that the, all of the modern engines have these catalysts right near the exhaust port is that they want the most heat into the catalyst because the heat needs to be able to... To, the heat is used to have the catalytic converter do what is called light off and the same thing happens with deer deer with tier four diesels is that um they have a diesel oxidation catalyst and that needs to light off and light off means that it's hot enough for it to have the chemical reaction i'll leave it at that for the chemical reaction to occur because when the when the catalyst is cold or below its operating temperature i shouldn't say cold below its operating temperature is that the chemical reaction does not occur and that same thing happens on tier four diesels as it does on gasoline engine so it's called light off and and you don't hear much of that and they don't even teach that anymore which is wrong but i was blessed because i was of age and getting into this on the ground floor because the catalytic converters are coming out engine manager is coming out so and then you know that then again you have to thank you know mr richard hip sadly he's with the lord but he was the one who taught me the light off term and understanding how the catalytic converter functions but anyway so the reason why they put the catalytic converter so close is you say what the heck they put it here for they got all 20 feet of exhaust is because they want the converter to light off as soon as possible because you want it to start to scrub the exhaust as soon as possible because the epa does a 240 second test uh and which is you know two minutes and most of the emissions are admitted prior to the first two minutes so the whole theory is to get the converter to light off as soon as possible and there's something called thermal inertia i've mentioned that many times in this show is that you want you don't you want the heat to transfer to into it as soon as possible so by the 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 exhaust port is the hottest part of the engine and you want the exhaust to not cool so you want to put as much heat as you can into the converter and that's why it's called a close coupled converter because they're coupling it close to the exhaust port so they could get it to light off almost immediately and then but the negative of that is that you're putting all that heat underneath the hood in most instances and if you have a tier four diesel combine whatever and it's very hard to package that that you're having the same thing where they may have that a close coupled converter or it all depends upon you know the emission the emission protocol they have to meet but anyway so i said to myself well geez you know we i broke the exhaust there, and i bet you what's happening is that the heat from the exhaust from the busted when i climb a hill because exhaust dgt exhaust gas temperature is going to go up because of the load when i climb the hill that the wires are starting to break down meaning the secondary ignition wires and that's why it's it's bucking now keep in mind i'm repeating it car has three hundred thousand miles i'd say the wires probably had a hundred thousand miles at that time i never had a wire go bad on that 
on that car or any of my Fords. All right, but every hundred or hundred fifty thousand miles, I just change them for for grins and giggles. All right. So anyway, and I drove. We drove about Shaw and I drove about a thousand miles already at this particular point. So I said, well, what I'm going to basically do is I'm going to pop. So I open the hood. You see no visible signs of burning on the wires. Nothing whatsoever. So, but so I'm going to open the hood let the heat out and then i'm going to run now with the hood on the safety and figure if i'm running with the hood on the safety even though it doesn't come up that much there's a little bit of a gap and it's 65 70 miles now we're going to get some air through put through there and let some heat out what have you so i do that and then what what happened is that we were now able to climb some hills or climb a hill a long grade and not have it buck or put the check engine light on or what have you and then we went maybe three four five hundred miles and we were in um, new mexico now and uh, uh, uh heading over to tucumcari but we were in uh capitan coming up which is absolutely a gorgeous 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 area and heading down towards roswell we want i want to go to the ufo museum we got to that was closed also but anyway so um so got another couple hundred miles and the thing is running fine then all of a sudden boop, 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 same thing happens again so i said all right what i have to do is i have to put new wires on the car so i stopped in an auto parts store i think it was a napper or a car quest or something bought a set of wires that car was very easy to change the wires on it was a coil pack change the wires boom beautiful right so i kept the ford wires in the trunk beautiful wires not beautiful put the wires on okay honey let's roll other than the exhaust sound you know uh we're, we're good to go i go maybe two or three hundred miles up, 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 up again so to make a long story short all right what was happening then i saw i stop and and then it was in a different part we were in the flats of new mexico so that was fine it was only pulling a hill where i had a problem and then so ultimately we got the car home safely without a problem i must have went through five or six sets of aftermarket ignition wires and uh, they were mostly car quest nothing against car quest mostly car quest but interestingly enough so now like i say, like i always tell my wife she says i talk too much but i don't talk i'm saying this respectfully i don't talk to hear my voice i talk for a reason so the bullet points are number one that what was happening is that the heat from the high underhood temperature was breaking down the insulation on the wires the ignition wires the secondary insulation right on the ignition wires but there was no visible sign of it so what was basically happening and i mean i didn't put under a microscope what was basically happening is that the insulation was getting so hot and it was breaking down and once it got so hot even though it cooled all right it would still never recoup or re, re, i would say recover to where it was so even though you could not see visibly and then these wires are like a day old right i mean you're traveling not even a day it doesn't take long it's 65 70 miles now it'll go put three four hundred miles on out west right so they're maybe six or seven hours old and all of a sudden boop, 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 check engine light and so let's so what was happening is the insulation was breaking down to such an extent but with no visible signs and that's the important thing that i want to talk to you about why i told you this story to such an extent that when the cylinder pressure went up climbing the hill and you know ignition demand is not linear all right so as you as you crowd the throttle or put more load on on an engine is that the ignition demand goes up also and electricity is lazy it'll take the path of least resistance and so what it'll do is when the ignition demand got to a certain point instead of jumping the gap of the spark plug under all of that cylinder pressure to take the horsepower to climb the hill right what it would do is it would go through the insulation because the insulation though and i'm repeating visually looked fine there was five hour old wires there wasn't any burning on them right visually looked fine and then as the cylinder pressure went down then the insulation could retain it and the spark plug fired beautifully the engine ran beautifully never missed a beat all right so now 
it's and the other take-home message here is to recognize that the ford wires with a hundred thousand miles on them were able to go a thousand miles with under these same conditions uh, even though they were old already hundred thousand mile wires whereas the aftermarket wire all right went three four hundred miles and started to break down so i should have bought stock and i believe it was car quest i don't want to give anybody a black eye but you when people say wires are wires and this is this and everything is the same that's a textbook example of why not now i just want to address something because you may have a question in your mind and say <clears throat> why when the engine was misfiring did it trigger a flashing of the check engine light because when you have a misfire in an engine what you're going to do is that the hydrocarbon emissions coming out of the cylinder are going to be high and the hydrocarbon emissions have the ability to superheat the catalytic converter and and by superheating the converter then what's going to happen is the converter has the possibility to melt down inside and start to melt so that is why when you're dousing it with hc what we would call in calibration that we hit it with a bunch of ac hc all right so if you have a misfire is now you have this hot catalytic converter you're overfueling it from the misfire the temperature spikes on the catalytic converter and then it has it starts it doesn't melt down like you're putting a, a instant instantaneously all right just like if even if you took an ice cube and you put it in a frying pan it melts you yeah, very quickly before your eyes but it melts and the same thing happens so the converter starts to melt a little bit and that's what they mean by hurting the converter is that you're actually starting to melt the monolith and they're all monolith converters today and what the word monolith means that it's like a honeycomb looks like a, a honeycomb or a, 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 a hornet's nest right so that is why it's flashing so the take-home message here is that even though you have a wire that looks fine is that the insulation could be degraded from thermal cycling from heat exposures now let's carry this another step further this has not just to do with ignition wires and if you were to look at this whole dynamic <clears throat> of this scenario excuse me get drink water this whole dynamic of this scenario <clears throat> is that this this is a cross flow cylinder head as most engines are today that means a cross flow cylinder head means that or my escort head means that the intake ports are on one side of the head and the exhaust ports are on the other where you take like an old inline six cylinder engine a chevy ford all right a chrysler right the exhaust ports and intake ports were on the same side and the reason why a cross flow cylinder head is better as far as airflow is concerned is for two reasons number one is that you have more freedom in the port design because you're not trying to put the exhaust port and the intake port on the same side of the cylinder head the other thing basically is that you do not have when on a on on a cross flow cylinder head you don't have the heat transfer from the exhaust port into the intake port because the intake port and the exhaust port is side by side so you're going to have thermal transfer thermal well i'm going to say thermal inertia that's not the true definition it's thermal transfer but the the what has to happen for the heat to be transferred is called thermal inertia but so it's inertia like movement and the thing is that you have the heat transfer into the incoming charge air and as you have the heat transfer in, into the incoming charge air then what what happens is that you dis you displace some of the oxygen content so we need that oxygen to consume and burn the fuel in the cylinder so for every 10 degrees fahrenheit that you raise the charge air temperature all right engine let me put let me let me rephrase that more accurately for every 10 degrees fahrenheit that you alter the charge air power is impacted by one percent and i don't care whether this is a diesel whether it's a thousand horsepower or it's a three and a half horsepower lawnmower engine so it makes no difference so the colder the charge air the power goes up by one percent the hotter the charge air the power goes down by one percent and this and i have to stop here for a second because a couple of weeks back i did an episode i forgot what episode it was and i was talking about about boiling point of coolant and i don't know where the heck my head was all right i mean i i certainly know this 
but I I misspoke, and not till after I realized that I listened to the show afterwards that I was able to realize I misspoke. So, and this has nothing to do with with electricity, but I I said that for each pound of pressure, you raise the boiling point to fifteen degrees. That's that's uh, I was thinking in my mind fifteen pound cap forty five degrees. So for each pound, of, so I meant been meaning to correct this, and then I forgot to do it. So for uh, so. I misspoke then and I apologize. So for each pound of pressure you put into a cooling system, you raise the boiling point by three degrees. So if you have a 15 pound radiator cap, so it's 15 times three is 45. So if you were to take water with boiler 212, all right, and you add 45 to it, then water will boil at 257 degrees. So I bet, so I, I, I meant to to correct that, and like I said, I was thinking in my mind, I wasn't. I'm not going to give excuses. All right, I, I screwed it up. All right, I mean, but I understand that I wrote books on it. I taught it for years. But anyway, so to get back to this is that so that's why your engine, diesel, gasoline makes no difference. Makes more power on a colder day because every every ten degrees F Fahrenheit. All right. Uh, metric guys you could do the conversion i didn't do the conversion every 10 degrees f you impact power by one percent so now look at this scenario of my escort had the cylinder head designed the other way whereas the exhaust port was through by the firewall and the spark plugs were in the front then the then the and then this scenario of me cracking the cracking the exhaust pipe would not have had the wires go under this extreme heat condition and break down the insulation. So, uh, I mean, this is not, well, whatever. I mean, they designed the car the way it designed, but this just happens to be, well, you know, if I didn't go across the street and I didn't ride over that pothole, I wouldn't have blown the tire. Well, I mean, they have to put the exhaust port someplace, but it is a cross-flow cylinder head. All right, so the thing is that, so so keep that in mind but the take-home message that i really want you to acknowledge here or grasp on is that the heating of wires and the thermal cycling of wires the hot and cold hot and cold not just secondary ignition wires but any wire that's going to be ex- exposed to these what we call in engineering thermal excursions and if you look at today's engines today's vehicles today's farm equipment all right there's you know there's a lot of heat under the hood depending upon the application so you may look at your whatever your farm tractor that's okay here's the turbocharger here's the exhaust manifold that's a very big heat source all right then and you say look there's a solenoid here there's some there's some wires here there's something all right i'm not saying that they're burning up because they were designed not to burn up but now you have this farm tractor, you have this pickup truck, you have this semi, and now, whatever, three thousand hours of use later, you know, one hundred fifty thousand miles later, whatever it may be, you start to get some sort of problem with something. It's very, very possible that a component, a wire, or a component because of its close proximity to that extreme heat source has gone through many thermal cycles. And even though it visually looks fine, is that it may be breaking at the insulation or the components, or if it's a solenoid, that the wiring, that the, the wiring internally in the solenoid could be breaking down for the magnetic field. And the solenoid doesn't want to pull in. Or the solenoid itself, I had that, I had that, years ago with my old, my original john deere uh lawn tractor 116 lawn tractor i love that tractor beautiful had electric pto clutch on it i love the electric pto clutch all the new ones have this mickey mouse thing it looks like something i don't care what my, my new john deere my husky at it where you just you pull a lever and you're tightening up a belt whereas my original john deere horicon wisconsin built all right beautiful tractor loved it 30 years had that maybe and and uh maybe not quite 30 years but close to it but uh bought it when i was a young man and had electric pto clutch so you threw you threw you threw a a, a, a rocker switch 
the toggle switch, excuse me, on the dashboard and that engaged the PTO. Well, over the years, what would happen is that the windings broke down because the PTO clutch was right underneath the crankshaft. So you had all that thermal transfer from the engine, right? Years, 25 years of, of mowing. And plus you have to realize that when you engage some sort of solenoid, all right, this current flow or magnetic field has to be induced. And just inherently, even if that solenoid is not on an engine, that solenoid is on the on the on a grain bin or something, is that the the idea of the current flow to to induce the electromagnetic field to pull that solenoid and operate it over time is going to is going to generate a certain level of heat. And it's going to affect, it's not only going to affect the mechanical aspect of that solenoid because heat is going to make it expand, but the electrical aspect of that solenoid is going to be impacted. And it could be impacted in many different ways. It could be impacted with insulation breaking down or what have you, all right? And the same thing happens with an ignition coil. You say, oh, ignition coil don't wear out, right? Well, ignition coil does wear out because the charging of the primary and then the collapsing through the secondary over many many cycles and many thermal excursions is what is going to break down an insulation so the take-home message here as i started to say before is that you need to recognize that with electronics or electricity all right so a ignition system excuse me firing a spark plug is not electronic though it may have electronic ignition but the electricity going through the secondary wires to the spark plugs is is is, is electrical circuit not electronic all right the thing is that you're going to have an impact and now another thing that comes into play is that especially with guys buying a lot of farm equipment uh, you know used farm equipment i'm not going to say pre-owned used and what have you putting a lot of hours and you have to and you have to look at at the use of the machine so the thing is that so if you have a combine you have a farm tractor you have a sprayer for probably for the majority of its life that thing is working under load and if you were to look at it let's say my little escort using that as an example a car or a pickup truck the majority in, in most instances the majority of that vehicle's lifespan whatever it may be is only is only uh going to see maybe 20 to 30 percent of its potential output because if you're going down the road you have a brand new pickup truck you're going down the road it's not making a hundred percent of its power you only may it only may be making 18 or 20 or 25 percent of its power for you to drive this down the road now you hook up a cattle trailer to it well maybe it's going to be making 70 or 80 percent but in most instances most vehicles are only going to see probably a 20 to 30 percent load for any duty cycle length of time uh, in its life so using my escort as an example so let's say arguably all right we all this scenario played out i'm going on the flatlands all right maybe the escorts the engine is producing 20 percent of its power i'm making up numbers by not even more than that to maintain 65 70 miles an hour on the flatlands now i go to climb a grade now it needs to make 38 percent of its power to climb that grade but i'm only climbing that grade for let's say a minute and then i now i, I get flattened back out again so now i'm back down to 18 or 20 percent or i'm going down the hill because i went up the grade so now i'm up to five percent power so the thing basically is is that the engine is not going to have the same thermal load on that you take like a farm tractor and you even a semi truck if you take a tractor trailer you could haul cross country 80,000 pounds right 80,000 pounds of grain you're hauling it right is that its load is not going to be the same all right on the flat lands or if you or then as is when you're bucking a wind or climbing a hill or what have you so it's going to go up and down so the load is going to be transient whereas you take a farm tractor you take a combine you take a spray you take an irrigation pump you take something that is usually from all intents and purposes has a fixed load on so if you're going in your you're planting across whatever a thousand acres all right and and that the load on that engine so thus thermally the thermal cycle it's going to go up to the thermal excursion and it's not going to cycle back down it's going to stay there and a lot of people don't recognize that all right 
and it's going to stay there. So in essence, it may vary a little bit because you got, let's say you're pulling up a planter and you get into a little bit, you know, lighter ground. So maybe uh, whatever, you dropped a little bit in temperature. But if you're having a, but for all intents and purposes, it's a fixed load. So if you're running that farm tractor through the field, all right and you're planting for eight hours you're like combine and you're harvesting all right the thing is that is that you're not seeing a thermal excursion you're going to a thermal spike and you're staying more or less in that spike that hate that heat range of degradation so what will happen is that you will start to break down the components and break down the wiring and what i and even though this it doesn't have an ignition system but you have all of this wiring in modern farm equipment or modern trucks right and the thing is that you are breaking down an insulation so even though it's not leaking where you have secondary voltage of twenty thousand volts going to ground through the wire and the engine misfiring is that when you break down that insulation from the thermal excursions and the thermal and the heats the the heating condition is that you open up that wire and i'm using the term open it up not physically that you're seeing it open that you're opening it up to a lot of emi electromotive interference or R, R, emi rfi radio frequency interference so one of the one of the things that the insulation does with a wire and in you know this is very important with modern vehicles and modern equipment is that you go and you that yes the the, the insulation is supposed to contain whatever the 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 electrons in that wire all right but the other thing it's supposed to do is protect that that circuit from being bombarded all right with with electrical what we call noise from the from outside and the outside could be from the alternator field it could be from you going under a power line it could be whatever all right so that's electrical noise i've done shows on that but i want you to keep in mind that as wiring gets older even though there is no physical sign of damage it's not burnt i mean you know if you see a burnt wire or the insulation it's like like well why is the tire flat all right well look here's a big nail and there's a roofing nail and that's why the tire is flat but if you have a porous rim like a porous aluminum rim that's not so easy to find you say well why is this tire going flat after after three weeks well because the rim is porous and you can't find that porosity in the rim all right you can't identify that or locate it but you could locate the roofing nail through the tire and the same thing is happening and and that's one of the reasons why i am so against this autonomous vehicles autonomous tractors because and and nobody wants to answer my questions or what are they doing what's going to happen to this thing when all of this wiring all these sensor inputs all of this autonomy and these control logics are going to be whacked with emi from the wires and this is going to happen the wires are going to degrade now i'm not going to say that you can't put a better wire on it than sort of degrading in five years or so many hours it takes 10 years i'm not saying that whatsoever but so it's really not a better wire it's a better insulation but so keep that in mind as i get ready to close here all right we're not going to have a special delivery letter today but as i get ready to close the the bullet points i want you to take home is that when you're diagnosing something all right and you could cool it down however you could cool it down i'm talking about something that's impacted with electrical like this ignition system or or what have you if you could cool it down and it the 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 symptoms either disappear or get much better than historically you have a wire or a solenoid or electrical component that is degraded from has thermal damage to it and you do not need to be able to see it and oftentimes you will not see it i could take those wires out and i used to i, I actually taught with them i kept those wires. see this why i pass around because how do they look they look beautiful here's these these car these car quest wires how do they look they look beautiful oh they smell no right yeah well they're leaking they're leaking because the because the damage was done to the insulation and keep in mind with sensors with 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 onboard electronics with uh monitors and combines uh satellite imaging oh not imaging what uh, uh, auto steer everything is that all of these wires depending now if you the wires are in the cab then obviously 
you're probably it's going to take much longer if ever for them to degrade but if they're exposed to a high heat source or anything underneath the hood anything near a transmission anything near an exhaust then the thing is that you're going to degrade those at a much higher rate and to and if you look at if you look at the wire that's underneath the hood versus that goes into underneath the, and goes into the cab of the tractor or the, or the passenger compartment truck sadly they're not putting any better wires underneath the hood I don't care who the heck it is. That's the God's honest truth. That because most companies, whether it's a car company, whether it's foreign, whether it's domestic or whatever, really does not have a concern with the owner five well, they five years they concern it. They, they don't they're not concerned with the second or third owner. No matter what they tell you, they're not concerned with it because the second or third owner is a used purchaser. All right, that has been proven time and time again as a used purchaser. And the, 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 the farm companies, the car companies, the radio, the cell phone companies, whatever, they only care about the person who buys stuff new. And as long as those wires, those components, that insulation can get through the average new ownership cycle before it gets, gets traded in or turns over again to somebody else, all right, they don't, they don't care. I mean, they won't, they won't admit this to you, but that's the truth, is they could care less about the second and third owner. Some, sometimes they care about the second owner to a certain extent because they figure maybe he'll buy new, but they'll do their, their, their figuring out and that it's not going to be, that, that that person is not going to buy new and he's not going to be loyal. So he's going to buy a John Deere this time, he's going to buy a Case next time, he's going to buy a Ford this time, he's going to buy a Chevy next time, he's going to buy a Toyota the third time because he's going to buy what he could buy that's in his price point and is in good condition and suits his needs. So none of these companies are interested in the people down the line and that explains a lot of things so listen i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america you have a blessed day and uh if you have any questions just reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farm machinery thank you bye-bye